Hello, this is episode two of the podcast. I'm your host, you can call me Dexter. Today, we're gonna to talk about costume fittings. What's expected, where you might go for one, and what you get paid. I'll also tell you a couple of stories about people in the wrong place, in a shot, at the wrong time. Welcome to Background Noise. Let's start with a quick story. When I first started, I was in a medium budget film with a well-known British director who'd made it quite big in Hollywood. He was shooting a period picture set in the 1920s. They were shooting green screen. Basically, in the shot, the main characters had to be seen to be moving at normal speed, while everyone else around them had to move at oldie time film jerky speed. Imagine the Keystone Cops type uh, effect. To do this, they filmed three layers of characters against green screen. Two background actors at the front, the main actors in the middle, and the rest of the background, well, at the back. In post-production, they were able to stitch it all together with the actors sandwiched between the guys in front and behind and make it look like we were all in the same shot at the same time. But it also meant they could alter the speeds accordingly. It looked quite effective. Myself and another guy were shot first as the foreground element with a green screen behind us. We were cheering and waving at something happening off screen. We were up close with the camera and quite visible. We then disappeared and they shot the main actors against green screen and they were staring at each other and totally ignoring everyone else around them. Then they went and they shot a big group of background looking at the same thing the two foreground guys, me and a colleague, were looking at as the foreground elements. It was while they were filming that that we realised that the two foreground elements, me and a friend of mine, could actually run around and sneak into the back of the background shot which is what we did. So if you look carefully, you'll see two of us in both the front and the back of the same shot. The magic of the movies. Stay tuned at the end of the show for a similar story where having people in more than one place in a scene caused a bit of a problem. In the meantime, let's talk costume fittings. With background work, costume fittings fall into one of two sorts. Either you're expected to provide your own clothes for a shoot or the production will provide costumes for the shoot and the difference depends on where and when the scene you're shooting is supposed to take place. If they're shooting a modern day office scene, you'll be expected to provide your own business suit. So when Tom Cruise tears through that office in Mission Impossible Fallout, the people in that shoot will generally be wearing their own clothes. If it's a party scene in, you know, 2009, 2010 at a club, you'll be asked to bring your party gear. Check out the party scene in Ted Lasso episode nine, Beard After Hours. Everyone in that shot is likely in their own clothes. If it's a 1930s gangster movie, they'll probably ask you to come to a fitting and they'll provide the costume. I don't know that many people who have period-appropriate 1930s gear lying, lying around in their home, do you? EastEnders is one of those shoots where you'll generally need to bring your own clothes. Also, if you're in Holby City, and I assume casualty even though they're filmed at different places, you get given scrubs or porter slash orderly uniforms and gowns for patients, but consultants have to bring their own gear, shirt, tie and smart trousers, Visitors also need to bring their own clothes and your agent will let you know which it is. Prior to a shoot day, you'll get a costume brief and this is where someone from production will either email you or call you and let you know what they're wanting. It could be something along the lines of, we're shooting a scene in an office, so we'll need some business casual, uh, shirts, trousers and smart shoes, if you're male, or blouse, skirt and dark shoes, if you're female. No bright colours, bring options, no logos. And what this means is that they want you to bring a selection of pieces from your own wardrobe from which they can pick and choose in order to get a variety of the looks the costume designer wants. 
for various reasons, they will have decided with the production designer that they don't possibly want certain bright colours. So maybe reds or no reds, no greens, no pinks. And they never, ever want logos. And the reason for this is that logos cause rights problems where the logo owners need to authorise the use of their trademark and the logo and they can demand payment for it. If you ever see someone in a film or TV with a recognisable logo, it means the show has either paid a lot of money for it or the company has provided things in exchange for promotional consideration. And that's why James Bond on film wears an Omega watch and drives an Aston Martin rather than a Rolex Oyster Perpetual watch and a turbocharged Bentley blower like he does in the books. On the day of the shoot, you're expected to turn up with a suitcase of clothes, all of which match the brief. You'll be paraded in front of the costume people who will regard your clothes with a critical eye, discarding various items at will. Sooner or later, they'll find a combination or combinations they like, and this will be your costume for the shoot. The advantage of this is that you're wearing your own clothes. They're comfortable and you'll end up being able to leave at wrap without waiting to change out of a costume. The disadvantage is that you'll end up lugging a suitcase of clothes around most of the day or leaving them somewhere in the costume truck or crowd holding area and hoping they don't get stolen. And yes, things do get stolen. I was once given the brief, we need 70s looking clothes, browns and dark greens. So I gathered together everything appropriate I had in my wardrobe and I took it to set. As I walked towards the costume designer, she said, oh, I like what you're wearing, that'll do. And I smiled and nodded, not wanting to reveal that the clothes I was wearing were not part of the selected outfits, they were just my normal everyday wear. Oh well. If you're shooting a period drama or similar, or if you're doing a role which requires specialised clothing such as a uniform, army, police, fire, senior crime officer, you might have to go to a specific fitting. Fittings happen in one of two different places. They're either at the location in which the filming is based, so for The Crown, for example, all fittings were at the unit base at Elstree Studios, or they're at one of the different costume houses around the place. The two main costume houses are Cosprop in Holloway and Angels in Hendon. If you go to these, you'll be expected to try on various costumes, but take a moment to check out your surroundings. Cosprop is a small shop front on the Holloway Road, but it hides a large behind-the-scenes warehouse with thousands and thousands of pieces of costuming and accessories. They've got curtained off fitting areas where your fitter will provide various items of different size and shape for you to try on. Angels is a humongous warehouse off the North Circular in London with literally a million plus items, all categorised on multi-level racking according to type and time period. So you've got 1920s men's shirts, 1940s women's skirts, etc. Angels has separate fitting rooms where you can try on the outfits. In each case, you'll have a fitter responsible for sorting out your clothing. This may or may not be the costume designer, but whoever it is, they'll zhuzh you up and try different combinations of things until they get the look that they're after. You may also be expected to do a makeup fitting at the same time. This could include a, a haircut, if you're a male, or a wig fitting, facial hair, which can apply to both male and female. I was sitting next to a bearded woman for a Tim Burton movie once, or even prosthetics, if that's the sort of thing that they're looking for. Once you're completely done and dusted, you'll have photos taken so that when you turn up on set, they have a record of what you look like in costume, hair and makeup, and they can replicate that. We'll cover money later, but a costume fitting is charged as half a day's work, unless it takes longer than four hours, in which case it becomes a full day's work. You should never book more than one fitting in a day, nor a fitting and filming on the same day. That's just bad juju, and it will come back and bite you in the bahookie. One day I'll tell you my famous story of being dressed by an Oscar-winning costume designer who treats background like mannequins, not people. But that's another story for another episode.
So, now story time. I mentioned earlier about appearing twice in one shot. It happens a lot in movies where they do crowd replication. It's not a big deal, I've done it many, many times. But occasionally there are times where it can cause a bit of a problem. I was filming a sword and sorcery fantasy a few years ago. We were on a big studio set shooting a scene where one of the leads is attacked by a group of zealots and kidnapped. It was a big scene with stunts, fights, lots of action and lots of setups. There were about 25 background there dressed as zealots and two of them were a, a curious couple. She was a shy, retiring and very young. He was much, much older and quite domineering. Every time the camera was set up, we'd take our place as rehearsed, but each time we did a take, he would subtly shift his position and manoeuvre his wife a little further forward in the shot as he faded into the background. Then, after we'd been filming this scene for a, a while, we went into a reverse. I'll go into what a reverse is in a later episode, but the short version is if two people are talking, the reverse is where we shift from character A looking at B to character B looking at A. In other words, everyone behind character B is no longer in shot. Except, in this case, Mr. Older and Domineering chose to manoeuvre his shy wife around into the shot so she was plainly visible again. The AD should have picked this up, but for various production reasons, which I'll cover when we talk about second units, they didn't. So we finished the scene and moved on. I spoke later on with someone who'd worked with the editors on that film, and I was told that there were many, many shots they ended up not being able to use because this same woman appeared in the foreground of one shot and then the foreground of the opposite shot where she couldn't possibly be. In the end, it didn't really matter because they replaced the whole scene, one week's worth of filming, with a piece of ADR, which is revoiced dialogue, and they cut the scene out completely. Coincidentally, this film was something of a big budget flop, although I'm sure it was nothing to do with the editing decisions forced on this particular scene by the May-December couple on set. Thanks for listening. This has been Background Noise. Thank you.